Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. I am A.L. Levy, and with me is one of my biggest musical inspirations, Mr. Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse, Ex-Morbid Angel, and of Hate Eternal, an unbelievable guitar player, one of the biggest legends in extreme metal, and also a really, really killer producer. So Cannibal Corpse have their new album, Chaos Horrific, coming out on September 22nd. And uh, what I've heard is, uh, as you would expect, super brutal, super awesome. And uh, I had Eric on the URM podcast once before, actually. And the reception was, I guess the reaction was that it was probably, according to a few people, the very best URM podcast in the history of the URM podcast. So I expect no less for the Riff Hard podcast. I'm going to stop talking. I introduce you, Eric Rutan. Let's do it. Eric Rutan, welcome to the Riff Hard podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Good to, good to talk with you again. Good to talk with you too. I just want you to know that um, that URM podcast that we did together, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that it's probably their favorite episode ever. And I got to say, it's at least for sure, the best edit ever on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, I bet that it, I bet that's on the ladder. Yeah, that's that's probably the editing part. Sure. Uh, well, that's nice to know, you know, like, it, you, know, you know, I, I mean, there was things revealed there that I never really have talked about. And uh, you and the listeners were kind of the lucky recipient of that. I just kind of there's certain things we discussed that I don't know if I've ever I've never been asked or maybe it was never discussed or I'm not sure, but you know, it's, um, man, my, my career has been so vast. I mean, you know, when I think about, holy cow, you know, I've been, I've been, my first show as a guitar player was, you know, 36, 37 years ago or something, you know, it's like, I've been doing shows and records and tours. Is it, is it crazy um, to think about that? Like, because I don't know. Like I know when I was a teenager and I was thinking about veterans who had been like in the game for 30 or 40 years or something like that, it just seemed like this, it just seemed not real, like just some crazy huge number. Like how can they like, and I didn't take it seriously and I didn't think that they were, would still be like all about it. But everyone I know now you know, fast forward into the future. And I know a bunch of people who have been in it 30 years or 40 years yep. and they are totally still into it. Do you find that you're still, you know, going at it with fuck yeah attitude, like every day, like, fuck yeah, I get to make extreme metal. I do. You know what? And the thing that for me is it's like a, it's a plus and minus in my life is that I'm never fully satisfied with anything. And yep. so, um, as I've gotten older, I've become more realistic about certain things in some capacity, but um, I always feel like I can improve at everything I do, whether that's as a guitar player, a producer, uh, and maybe more importantly, as a human being, it's just trying to be you know, the best um, version of me that I can be. And I say that like regularly is that, you know, when there's times where I'm like, ah, man, you know, I could have. I wish I had played better. Well, the one thing, or I wish I would have done better on this, or I wish this, you know, I'll find, I can find something wrong with everything, but I can also find a lot of things right with everything now. Or maybe when I was younger, I didn't have that um, type of wherewithal or foresight to see things. Um, But I always feel like, man, there's so much room for improvement. And I haven't 
even touch the surface of my ability to do what I want to do. And uh, that's partially because I, man, I, I've always had lofty goals. Um, and then, you know, I've achieved a lot of those goals and then income newer goals. And I, I feel like I'll, I'll never be, I don't think I'll ever be bored. I think you know, that's, I'm always... <laughs> that's part of the condition though. I feel like the same thing that drives someone to have lofty goals is the same thing that makes them never be satisfied. Like it's like two sides of the same coin. I'm just curious. Cause you said, um, that you're finding that you have to be real more realistic about certain things wondering what that what do you mean by that um well you know i mean well first of all i'm 52 years old right so you know my first show as a guitar player i was 16 i'll never forget it you know i was playing bars and doing clubs and stuff in in high school um and you know i've got one foot closer to the end than I do. I'm, I'm much closer to the end than the beginning of my life, right? Unless I have some miracle life and I live to a hundred and something. Uh, but it, you never know. You never know. But the reality of like, um, as I've been doing so much, you know, geez, I, I do so much. I've done, a, you know, it's nice to be able to sit here at 52 and, and kind of look at my own body of work where there was a time where I felt like, man, I haven't done shit. You know, I haven't even touched, but when I look back now, it's, it's, it's kind of impossible for me to not at least acknowledge, okay, well, when you were a teenager in high school and you had all these dreams of, you know, I wanted to create my own music and my own band and, and tour the world and do albums and create my own style, have a studio. Well, you know, I've accomplished those things. I've done a lot of things, but, um, doesn't mean I sit around and and rest on my laurels because like like I said, you know, when you have that kind of perfectionistic gene in me like I do, I just there's just so much more room for improvement. Um but I guess the reality is and I've learned that honestly part of that is, you know, like joining Cannibal Corpse, you know, I mean I've been playing with Cannibal now for quite some time. I mean, it'll be five years, I guess, come the beginning of next year. And wow, so that, that flew by. It really did. Yeah. yeah. Like when, when I think about it. Um, and so I've realized, you know, like when I joined Cannibal, I thought, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm going to do Cannibal and then I'll do a Hate Eternal, no, Hate Eternal record next year. And maybe I'll, you know, do a couple of tours. I'll do like, you know, I'll, I'll limit it to like maybe three or four productions a year. And, and then like the reality set in of like, I'm only one person, so I can only do so many things. Um, obviously, with Cannibal Course, we're releasing another record, after, and we just released a record back, you know, um, not too long ago. Um, so we really maximized our time during COVID. Um, I've just come to more realistic terms of like what what I can what I can do, what I can't do in the time frame I have available. On top of what do I really want to do? with the rest of my career, the rest of my life. And these are things that I feel like have come with age. Um, I always feel like I can do everything. Like if you're like, Hey, do you want to do this? And if I'm interested, I'll be like, yeah, of course I'll, I'll squeeze it in. Or I always am that way. Yeah. Um, but reality sets in of like, okay, you're one person, you're already doing like a zillion things. So now I look at it like, okay, 
what is most important to me that I still want to accomplish in my career. I need to put my energies and efforts into that. Um, and maybe some of the other stuff that 10 years ago, I would just do. I'd just be like, oh, that's a great opportunity. Or, oh, man, these guys are great. I want to work on this. Or I've, I'm, I'm limiting that because, A, I need to, but B, most importantly, because I want, I have so many things I still need to do mm -hmm. as an artist that I want to accomplish. And if I just take everything, I'll never get those done. Well, so. anything you say yes to is at the expense of something else. Like there's only, exactly. there's only so much time and energy. Like there, there isn't more than there is. And so even though, like I have the same thing too, of wanting to say yes to every single thing that comes up, like pursue every single idea, like lots of cool ideas, like so many mm -hmm. of them could turn into something cool or get approached with things that would be really cool or are really cool all the time. And the voice in my head is always pushing me to just do it all. Um, but it's a bad idea. Like it doesn't work out great when I try to do that. Like it's really, really important to be super focused on the things that matter the most, I think. And, you know, that doesn't mean you can't do that thing in the future, but like you can't do all of the things at the same time. No, it's impossible. And you, and you would understand this because I mean, you're doing a multitude of things. And so it's tough, man. when you're, yeah, it's tough yeah. when you're trying to juggle it all. You you have to prioritize. And, you know, for me, it always comes down to, and I've learned this over the years, um, and this is another great thing of age, of like, I've just realized like, man, you know, what do I, what I do best? What do I enjoy the most? What do I want to do with the rest of my career? Um, because, I, I mean, I there's not a moment where I don't feel gratitude for where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I realize how fortunate I am. It doesn't mean I didn't work hard. I mean, I've been working my tail off since I started doing this. The minute I picked up the guitar, I knew what I wanted to do and I haven't looked back, um, but it branched out and it took different turns than I expected and, and things of that nature. And um, one, one thing that, I feel like one of my best attributes um, as as a person is my ability to adapt, and and that's not only as a as a human, but as a, as a musician or as an artist or as a producer, you know, and indiv individualize everything in front of me in its own unique path. Um, that's something that I've been able to do. Um, can, can we talk about that for a second? Cause like, sure. this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately, actually the ability to adapt. So I think that part of being a professional artist, whether you're an instrumentalist composer, like you paint, like whatever it is, movie director, like you create stuff and it involves both skill and creativity, but also working with other people working with budgets, like deadlines, like it's this combination of like creative spark along with lots of uh, abnormal personalities and like companies. And this, there's a lot, a lot of factors and the inability to adapt is, uh, is like a death sentence. Like you have to death be now. able yeah. to somehow like be flexible yet stay true to what you think is important. So it doesn't mean like just uh, 
just like cave on everything um, just in the name of being flexible. You got to like, especially like as a producer, your opinion and your taste is what matters. So like you shouldn't be caving to bad ideas. But at the same time, if you're not a flexible person, you won't be able to handle the chaos and um, hmm. the opportunity that comes up in music. It's uh, like you have to be, it's, I feel like people who survive music, it's almost like their brain is pre-wired to be able to handle chaos and adapt. Like, I, I think yeah. it's, I think I'm starting to think it's pre-wired. Been thinking about it a lot. I mean, I th- I agree. And, you know, even with producing, like you're saying about ideas and stuff, like I always looked at at my experience and knowledge, whatever that is, there's a lot of years behind it. And I'm going to throw it out there. And a lot of times those ideas might get poo-pooed, you know, from the band or an individual like, yeah, I think that idea sucks. Okay, next. You know, like I don't sit around and uh, mope about it. You just move on. Um, if there's something that I feel strongly about, I'll, I'll re-up on it and, and until it's like a dead subject. But also with that, and a respect to the artist, you know, I'll always say, listen, I'm going to keep open-minded to your ideas as well. It's not just going to be about like the Eric Rutan show and everything has to be my way. No, it's, it's a, collaborative efforts to me is what has made some of the best music ever and the best art, you know, and, and, uh, I, I feel like when you have a lot of really talented, intelligent minds that are creative and you put that together and it gels and there's times where it doesn't always gel. And like I've done, I've worked with some people where I just knew I was like, you know what, I'm sure it's going to be great, but it didn't gel for whatever reason, because, you know, as human beings, we're all unique people. You know, sometimes chemistry, you know what? I mean, you put this and that together and there's a, there's an explosion, you know, sometimes you put it together and it just molds perfectly. Uh, But being open-minded is something that, that and patience, open-mindedness and patience don't match, don't, they're not natural for me. Like I'm not a patient person. Uh, You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up like kind of. You don't and strike don't, me I, super patient. I, I, I'm not, but you know what? It's amazing that I've had so many people comment on my patience. And by producing records and working with different artists and, um, you know, I don't know how many. Well, hold on, let me, let me backtrack. I, yeah. You don't yeah. strike me sure. as impatient. Like, oh, you don't strike me oh, as yeah. like an impatient kind of like, you know, uh, just to be clear. But you don't strike me as someone who will be patient with like bullshit, I guess. Oh, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no. that's what I mean, no, just to clarify. No, I have zero patience for bullshit, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that would probably uh, agree with that. Um, but yeah, when it comes to where I have my patience is if people are struggling or people mm-hmm. are lacking of an idea, or I feel like for me as a, as a human, as a, as a person, my whole life has been predicated by this in the sense of like, when times are tough is when I rise. I feel like some of my best moments have been when times have been really difficult and I've had to dig myself out of um, the depths of whatever pit I was in at that moment. And, you know, to me, that shows character 
um, and dedication. And, and that's something that I feel like that I've always had. Um, and because of that, it's allowed me to become a very patient person working with different artists in the studio that I'm sitting in here. I mean, man, I've worked with so many people here, so many records and so many projects. Um, it's really helped me adapt to be more and more patient as I get older. Um, bullshit that hasn't changed. Although maybe some of my friends from when I was younger would probably say I've become more patient with bullshit (laughs) as well. Um, compared to my younger years, but it's, it's very short or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was a maniac when I was young. I, I, uh, you know, I was a bit of a monster too. And I think back (laughs) to like band members who had to deal with me when I was 21 or something, but I just, I, I feel bad for them. And it's, it's interesting. I think about my dad when he was like 30 or I didn't know him before that, but, uh, but like fucker is intense. Uh, he's definitely (laughs) an intense dude still, but he was super intense. And, uh, yeah, like it's, I feel like it's not that the, the fire doesn't die down. It's just, the the time to the time to evisceration is longer is what I've what I've noticed Makes from, sense. from zero yeah. to eviscerate like there's a there's a bigger buffer there um but I'm wondering like you said that you have a lot of patience for people who are struggling with something or are like trying to find an idea and I think that that's very very important because that's the kind of stuff that trying to force that is actually going to be the worst possible thing you could do in almost exactly. all cases. Yeah. And, and I've tried to, as I've gotten older and um, like important part of my whole life has been, you know, formulating um, patterns and um, you know, how would I say, I mean, a perfect example. It's like when I go on tour, I have a system I, I do. It's like, you know, usually if say we're on at 10, I'm in the club at seven, you know, I'm, I'm eating before seven. I don't like to eat. I like to eat and be done before three hours before showtime. I'm not mm-hmm. a napper. Never been. I never nap. I wake up and I'm like, I got brand new energizers in there until they're dead. And then I go to bed and I repeat. Uh, but, you know, I go in, man, I do some like yoga stretching and meditation for like an hour before I, and then I'll warm up for two hours and then I go on stage and just rip. And then, so I've been doing that for quite some time and it's really helped my obvious physicality. Uh, I've had a lot of injuries in, in my life and my career. Uh, I've always been, um, had to deal with things like that. But as I get older, I want to take care of myself physically, mentally, uh, try to eat better, take care of myself better. And I've just got this system with cannibal specifically where I do this, I usually go in around the same time. I try to really take, take care of, of myself more. And by having that kind of ritual or when I'm home, if I'm not working on a record and we're not doing band practice, I have a system. It's very similar to what I'm doing. I do at home every day. I want to hear um, about this. Keep- I'm fascinated by sure. this kind of stuff. Um, hmm. Like, Two things, two reasons, um, not to cut you off, but I want to hear all about oh, this. No, One is because as we get older, like, you know, and I know that music kills our friends and, uh, like the people yeah. I know that 
are doing well are making they take active like active measures daily to stay healthy um because music music's not a good it's not a good lifestyle um or it on it the default state of a music lifestyle is not a very good one and, and it brings in bad stuff so as you get older you really have to like decide that you're going to um stay healthy and just keep making those choices every single day and then also i'm always very fascinated by super routine um approaches to music because i think that even though it's art it's also like a sport like there's a very physical aspect absolutely discipline discipline uh like enables creativity and enables greatness. So I'm very curious. With that said, I, I want to hear all about your system. Well, you know, it's, man, I, the stretching, I think it was, and we're going back like 20 plus years ago. I remember during my time in Morbid Angel and um, we were about to go on tour with Pantera. Um, I, I, we toured with Pantera twice. Lucky me. Um, but you know, the first tour that which is was really 10 cool. week. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but the first tour was like 10 weeks that we were about to do. And I was suffering my hands, I was and my wrists, I was having a lot of pain. And part of it, I was, I was, I was touring with Morbid Angel, I was touring with Hate Eternal. I I did my Alas project. I mean, I did like four of my own albums in like a three-year period between Alas more of an angel and two hate eternal records. And I was touring and producing and I was playing guitar like constantly. Um, and I was having significant pain. And I, for a long time, I thought, Oh my, you know, I had to go to the doctor specialist and, you know, I was worried that I had a uh, carpal tunnel or something like that. Um, and they just said I was over using my, you know, I was literally mm-hmm. just, I don't, there's nothing about what I do. That's like, quote unquote proper, you know, I play really aggressively hard and, you know, um, dude, metal's like economy, bad for you. Bad yeah, for you. I mean, there's, there's no economy picking in my style. So I was just, you know, I was taking a beating. I had to stop playing for about a month. He said, listen, you need to rest and then you need to start a stretching routine. And do you stretch? And I was like, no, nah, I don't stretch. You know, I was like 28 or 29, you know, what the hell? I don't do any of that crap. Um, but I had to take a month off and I had a couple months, luckily, of downtime. And when I came back, I learned stretches. It started with my hands and wrists and my arms. Um, and then, knock on wood, I didn't have those problems since. I got in the van accident in 2003 with Hate Eternal, um, chipped my six vertebrae in my neck, uh, had whiplash. I couldn't even feel my hands or my arms for a couple months. And, and so, um, well, from that, I had to learn, start learning, you know, neck stretches and other things. And, and then it, from my head, all of a sudden it went, you know, I started stretching my back and stretching my legs and, and doing all this stuff to the point where now it's just constantly like I, before I came to the studio today, I did a whole hour of stretching at home. It's just like, it's, it's, kind of become a ritual for me and not only physically does it help me but like mentally it's funny you know like the other day um you know we're getting ready to go on tour next month 
and we're adding in a bunch of new songs and a bunch of old songs that I needed to we're, learn. We're recording this like in that. August 2023 for those of you in the future. Oh, yes. Future people listening <laughs> or watching. And we're going on tour in a month. And so I'm working on new songs and learning songs. And um, the other day I learned a song. I was, you know, I was able to learn it and track it to a click, you know, so Paul could practice to it a little bit. And, and then, um, basically I was like telling my wife, I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's amazing when I, when I do my stretching routine and a lot of that is just breathing and, and meditating while I'm doing it. My mindset is so like calm because I'm, I'm that guy that like, if people ask, what do you think about on stage? It's usually like, two, I don't think about anything really except for breathe and relax because I'm such an intense dude. I'm always like, I have to relax. And by doing the stretching routine, I learned this song, I was playing it and I was like, wow, you know, like it, it, it really helps my, my mindset. Um, and it's gotten more and more in, intense, my stretching routine as I've been doing it. Um, to the point where now, like, uh, a lot of times when we're on tour, I'm backstage and and I usually go in there. Nobody's back there, but you know, bands playing, maybe the room's like a 10 by 10 and I'm in the middle of the floor with a yoga mat stretching and people are walking over me and I got my earbuds in and I'm listening to like, you know, choir music or some kind of, you know, uh, classical music or something to the point where I'm not even I'm not even hearing it. Like I'm, I'm shutting out everything. People are talking and shooting the shit and literally walking over me. Cause I'm, I'm sorry to say I'm, I'm taking up the whole damn room. Uh, but everybody, you know, it's like, I've, I've, I'm getting better at, um, shutting out the noise. And, and that really helps in so many facets of my life. Right. You know, to be able to shut out the noise and you shut out and your so own noise too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like I mean, intrusive well, thoughts. Okay, so that's that's the thing that I'm still working on is like being able to shut out my thoughts because, like I said, it's like when I wake up, I'm I'm overthinking. I'm an, uh, when I go to before I go to bed, I'm overthinker. That's why I never go to bed until I'm like almost falling asleep in the chair or something because I'm such an <laughs> I just same. constantly yeah. think. You know what I mean? Like I'll be sitting on my chair watching TV and if I'm dozing out, that's when I know, okay, go to bed, dude. You know, because otherwise I'll just lay in bed. If do somebody you, asks if me, you don't, if you don't do that, do you wake back up because your brain, like if you don't take advantage of that moment when you're zoning out, like, have you noticed that at least this will happen to me? If I don't like capitalize and go to bed right then and there, like I know that 20 minutes from now, my brain will come back on and then it's oh, going to be like three hours. Yeah, let's work on a song. Let's fucking yeah. take a bike ride. It's two thirty in the morning, you know. Like that's that's kind of my DNA too. So I I've I've that's the one thing I've been really working on is trying to shut out my own thoughts. And so that's the hardest part that I still struggle with. Um, but you know, everything's people. If somebody and I say this all the time, it's like people say, "Man, you did a great job in this." I say, "Man, it's a work in progress." You know, like I'm a work in progress. I I know I can be better at everything I do and every bit of who I am as a person. Um, there's so much more room for growth. There always is. The minute that you sit there and you're like, man, you know, I got it all made. It's, 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 it's a, that's boring, a bad minute. So, so that's back to the routine. Um, yeah. So you have like, 
so it grew from just hands to now like yep. full body yoga. You full do body, like yes. an hour of it, like almost, mm-hmm. almost every single day, but definitely every day on tour, regardless. Every day on tour. Yeah. Absolutely. Regardless of who's around you and what's around you, like you are doing your fucking yoga, which is I do. awesome. And then, so you're saying that leads into two hours of guitar warm up. What's can, yep. let's talk about that. Perfect segue into well, guitar. You know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's less, you know, sometimes you don't have the perfect backstage. Um, sometimes I have to ask, you know, Johnny or tour manager, Hey man, can I squeeze in the production office because there's no room to stretch? You know, it's so important. Um, adapting that to my home life I've, I've found is important too. It's like, sometimes I'll get home and I'm just, you know, from tour and like, oh, I just got home from Europe after 10 weeks, I'm tired and I'll let that fall by the wayside. But I definitely noticed that, um, physically, mentally, whatever I, I, you know, I'm not in the same place. So I have to keep on it. It's like something that's just so important now to my to my lifestyle is, is doing this. Sometimes it's 40 minutes to, to stretch. Sometimes it's an hour. Um, practicing and warming up. Well, first of all, I just love playing guitar. You know, like I, it's, uh, I mean, I want to play that guitar. Helps. I just, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, I mean, I love, I, mean, I love playing guitar. I just want to play guitar. I want to write songs and write riffs. And I mean, I just love doing it. I mean, I've been doing this for so long, but, my passion for writing music. I mean, I love, I don't know if there's, if somebody says, what's your favorite thing to do in your career? It's like, man, writing riffs and, and, you know, and then practicing the riffs and building a song and then showing everybody else and working on as a band and tracking the record, that whole process is the best part. Incredible. For sure. It never gets old ever. You know, like, I don't think I always say this too. It's like, I'll probably record music for the rest of my life until I just can't. You know, whether it's I'm deaf or my body falls apart or... Man, you um, know, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, we're in the final, final stages of the new Doth record right now. Like, it's... I'm literally going to Sweden on Saturday for the mix and, like, just got done tracking guitars. And I was thinking, like, this is the only thing consistently throughout my life, except for when I took a break. Like, this is the only thing consistently throughout my life that I can do 20 hours a day and not question it and want to keep going and like not yep. feel like I'm working. It's I'm okay to do hard work. Like I work, have the companies, like it's fine. But Absolutely. if we're talking about what is the one thing that I can just do and time disappears and I'm just as into it now, if not more than when I was younger and I can just go and go and go and go like it's writing, writing and playing for sure. It's just such a great combo that I always feel inspired, um, which I feel very fortunate on is that I like during COVID, I had a lot of friends that were very uninspired um, and I felt terrible for them because to me during COVID, honestly, that the fact that I play guitar and wrote songs, I mean, look, we we wrote and recorded two Cannibal Corpse albums during that period. Um, I wrote six songs musically, five songs of lyrics, uh, and on top of producing the records and playing guitar and all that, and learning everybody else's songs and, and stuff. Um, I felt I used that time, you know, working on tab books, 
getting the SSL behind me, you know, doing this stuff, um, working on my endorsements and, and my signature guitars. And I used that time while I was home because I've never been home that long in 30 plus years. Uh, but the, I always feel inspired. And when times have been dark in my life, that's what really created my style of music in the first place. So when times are dark, I've always, in, since I started playing guitar, turned to guitar and writing music to express myself. Uh, fortunately, as I've gotten older, I have other ways of expressing myself beyond just music because to be healthy, it's required. When I was a teenager, none of that mattered because like we were talking about before, like when you're young and you look ahead, do you ever, like, I don't know if I ever thought I'd be 52 years old still doing this at a high level um, because I don't think I thought I would live to 50. Yeah, it's 52 when you're 16 is kind of unimaginable. Like I'm, I'll probably be dead by 40. And, you know, like I I don't think I ever thought that far ahead. Um, But now that I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm, I just think, man, I'm just so grateful to be able to do what I'm doing and um, just never take it for granted and, and give everything I have to what I do best. Um, And there's funny, it's funny. There's things that come around sometimes opportunities or stuff. Um, And I'm like one of those guys, like if I, if I have a glimpse of, and I'm not afraid of hard work or busting my tail to get, to be good at something. But if there's something that I'm just like, man, I know I'll suck at that. I won't even waste my time with it. That's good. I'm like, man, it's good. Yeah, it's like good I, to know your limits and it's, it's good to know, but what's a, uh, what's in that guitar, uh, up routine? Like, is that as it, important for you as like the yoga? Like, is that like the other side of it? Um, does it vary? Is it the same every time? Like what, what are you I'm, doing? You know what? It's kind of like, Man, I don't have any specific exercises or it's kind of been the way I've been my whole career as far as writing is like there's not scales or something I practice or anything like that. Um, I just pick up a guitar and start wailing. I I don't really have a system for that. Um, Everything I play in my whole career has always been challenging. Like there's not... There's not much simplicity in anything I've ever done. So no. if I'm just playing, if I'm just even playing any of the stuff that I've done in my career, whether it's Cannibal Corpse, you know, or Hate Eternal or Morbid Angel or Ripping Corpse, for, you know, like any of that stuff is all complex. So if I'm just, usually I'm just, I'm just playing. Sometimes I'm in a zone and I'm soloing for a while and then I'm playing rhythm. And, and, and usually a lot of times, by the time we go on stage, Man, I might be like a like a like not always, but once in a while, depending on the environment or how jacked up I am, you know, I'm like sweating like a boxer, like I've already been training or something, you know, because I'm just back there wailing. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I kind of know when I get to the, I like to call it like autopilot. Like if I'm if I'm back there, and and for me, it's like I have a rolling cube, and then uh, I mean, I love that thing. I plug straight in. I I EQ it by putting it in a corner. Oh, let me get a little more of this. Or that. <laughs> more yeah, reverb. That's my, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then that was a little too big when we went to South America and we were we had 20 shows and we're flying every day. And so I ended up buying one of those mini katanas that works pretty well. The smallest one I could get. Um, 
and I just plug in and, and just wail. But I, the one thing that I, I, when I, when I get on autopilot and what I mean is like autopilot in the sense of like, I'm just speed picking. It's just like, you know, and I just feel like I call it autopilot where you just like, you know, you can press a button and I'm fucking just really yep. that warmed up. That's when I know it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to roll. And you, uh, you know what, man, with recording too, like I always, I try to get myself there before I start tracking guitars because like, yes. even it's not, it's like, it's just not the same if you're not there. Like there's this fluidity and just, I agree, man. Yeah. It, it it's gotta makes be such there. a difference. It does. And, and like, I don't, and that's, what's funny. Like in, in certain situations where maybe you need to play on the fly or something, I never, I don't, I don't do that. You know, like when we're playing these festivals in Europe and we don't have a backstage, I'm, I'm on stage. I'm on, I don't have a practice. I'm just warming up you know it's like i i it's it's a rarity there has to be some kind of like um something happened where it's just not possible for me to warm up before i go on well certainly recording i don't even like go through the process of recording until i'm warmed up and i feel like yeah um i got this shit you know and then press record and then it just makes everything so smooth and 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 same token with someone that comes in here, I don't just like sit down and then they plug in and like, all right, dude, all right, what track, you got? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, some guys yeah. are are that gifted, you know, like that they could just turn it on, you know, like uh, I guess I I just not that's that, not me that, either. I guess I'm just not that that gifted, but you know, I need to warm up and 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 be um, physically and mentally, because like I said, when I get in that like autopilot mode where I'm just like, man, I'm just, I, I can feel it. I'm ready to roll. Um, and you know, backstage, if I, sometimes it's not as, I don't get as long to practice or warm up. Sometimes I've also noticed I can over practice or warm up. And so that's why that stretch between say seven to 10, like maybe it's two to three hours between stretching and practicing. I also can overdo it where I'm, I'm so jacked and I'm like, you know, I, I have to, it's a balancing act for me. It, it, yep. It's tough because I, I just want to keep playing and playing and playing. But I also realize, okay, dude, you're going on stage. So don't like, you know, don't kill it. Just, just be ready. Yeah. The, the there, there's waiting, a peak. Waiting, you know? there, there's like a yeah, there's peak. peak. There's a peak yeah. that yeah. definitely smart about it. Yeah. If you go past that peak, like, you might, it's not that you're not gonna be able to play, but like your best playing is within this peak always. I find and I agree. And sometimes I'm doing jumping jacks. I'm just getting jacked up. I mean, I, I mean, I, um, you know, it's funny that sometimes I'm so jacked up. It can actually be detrimental and it's just naturally, like I don't, I don't drink Red Bull and stuff like that. You know, like when I, years ago, young, when I was younger, I mean, I would drink so much coffee and Red Bull. And now it's like, I have my coffee in the morning, a couple of coffees and, and that's it. You know, I don't really drink soda. I drink a lot of water and, and coffee and some juice and that's about it. But, um, I, sometimes if I'm a little tired that day, sometimes the show ends up being great. Cause once I get on stage, I'm just a whole different person. You know, I just lose myself completely. You know, I, you know, I, I can play in front of 80,000 people and I just see a, a sea of, I don't know what I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm in a totally different world. So sometimes if I'm too jacked up, 
my muscles get so tense and I have to like, all right, dude, chill out, chill out. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act, but I'm up for the challenge, man. I'm always up for the challenge. And the and yoga just, has had to have helped so much with that. It does. It mentally, mentally, it, man, because especially, you're probably, especially tell me if you're horror, able to like you know? start feeling tense all jacked up and then like mentally calm it down, like on command, or at least get better at that as a result. I mean, it's, um, you know, the, the breathing process of like doing all the stretching and yoga and meditating and stuff is what's helped me tremendously keeping my thoughts in, in check, focused on the task at hand. Um, and you know, when, when some people like, they probably come in the backstage and they see me with this yoga mat and they'd be like, you know, what the fuck is he doing? You know, it's like, well, you know, this to me, I'll do anything to be the best version of me that I can be. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, obviously this stuff is healthy for you. Um, it's healthy for me mentally as, as much as it is physically. And I, I noticed a significant difference. Um, and someone like me that's had, um, you know, man, I've, man, I've had a lot of challenges in my life and things I've had to overcome. Um, and, and, you know, we all in life deal with things. Everyone has their own ailments, whether it's physically or mentally, or, um, you know, they, they have these challenges in front of them. And I've just noticed that this stuff just makes me significantly, um, better as, as a whole. And so, uh, I, I just keep doing it like I said, I was stretching today before I came to the studio, man. I, I just, um, you, my whole day is better if I do this every time on, on tour. It's, it's unfortunately there's times where like you're playing a festival and maybe I don't have a backstage or something. And I'm like trying to squeeze in the bus, like doing shit. I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do. That's where the adaptability to, comes in, you know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I don't get the full Monty of everything I like to do. And I have a routine. And like I said, it's not written down. I just know how I do it and what order I do it. And it's been significantly getting more and longer and longer to the point where I'm like, well, I don't think I can make it any longer. Um, but I have, um, you know, someone I, I, my, 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 my wife's friend's husband like meditates an hour before he goes to work not stretching, just meditates. And I, wow. I thought, wow, holy that, shit. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, like the fact that he could do that and he's in a really high stressful job. And he said, man, that's what gets me through. It took me years to get to this point. Um, there's times where um, like, it's like, I usually start on my feet with all my stretching. When I get to the ground, I I'll, you know, uh, they call it like the Christ pose. And that's when I'll just lay there and meditate for as many minutes as I can before I start the rest of my routine. Um, and sometimes, man, I'll be laying there and it'll be like 20 seconds. I'll be like, nah, man, it ain't happening. I'll keep doing my stretching and routine, but the meditating part of it is not going to happen today. Um, but I've had to find ways to try to, when my brain is going nuts, enforce that, you know, and um, I live, my wife and I live near the beach, the studios near the beach. So sometimes I just envision that I'm floating on, you know, floating out in the ocean, like, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway. or, uh, that I'm does not, about, that like, does not sound 
anything but stressful. <laughs> like well, Tom Hanks. You know, well, yeah, yeah, Tom Hanks. That's that true, a but, bad situation. <laughs> you know, the I grew up on the ocean my whole life, uh, you know, and I'm a I swim like a fish, man. I've been swimming my, you know, since I was a, a young kid. And uh something about the ocean relaxes me. Uh nature, period. Woods, you know, um, man, space, you know, things like that. I have to put myself in that place to get there. Um Sometimes I get there, sometimes I don't. Um, so it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. One but it's hour always though, worth it, dude. One hour. I, what, that, yeah, I don't know how anyone. Could, that I mean, is I'm, unbelievable. I mean, I've been doing this for a few years now, and like meditating wise, man, I think the longest I've gotten to is like eight minutes of just being Which able to impress it out. Yeah, and. For the longest time, I was just trying to get three get three minutes, man. If you can do it for three minutes, and not the stretching part, but the meditating part. So, um, some days is better than others. Uh, but I, I can, man, I can say it's like wow, it's amazing how much it's helped me doing this routine. That I'm, I know now, it's just something that obviously I've been doing it for years. It's not a fad. It's not something that's going to disappear. It's something that I'm always going to do. And if I do it every day, I see significant progress in everything I do from, from, for the rest of the day. Um, it's just, there's a reason why people have been doing this for, for eons, right? It's, it, 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 it makes sense. You know, they're not doing it just for fun. Cause like that shit is hard. Like no. anyone who's never no. done it, try to do a minute. And you'll see that it's really, really difficult to do. So even really get, hard. I think eight minutes is like impressive. It was, what? it was, you know what? And that's been my longest stretch. Usually for me, I can, I can meditate for maybe five minutes and that's like my average. And then I just go about my routine because Still, the thoughts that's great. Keep, they creep in, they creep in the thoughts. I have to shut the thoughts out now on tour. Man, it, it's really hard uh, to do that. But there's times that I'm literally, there's people in the room, they're conversating. There's guests back there. I'm just totally in my own zone. I'm, it's like, it's almost like, uh, I would call it like the Charlie Brown effect, you know, like the, the in the background. Wah, 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 wah. Like I hear <laughs> yeah. it, but I'm not acknowledging it. It's like, it's not even they're speaking another language. It's almost in the fray. And so um, the the more I can do this, because for me, um, I'm like my worst enemy, man. You know, like I can, I can be my best friend and I can be my worst enemy. And, and a lot of it has to do with my thoughts and my overthinking. Um, and when I can be out of my thought for whatever moments of time that is, it just makes me a much more uh, healthier person. So I've noticed that. And um, you know, part of that, this extra routine of meditating and stuff started during COVID um, because like many people, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, I was struggling mentally. Um, my whole family, you know, I hadn't seen my family. They're all in New Jersey. You know, um, there's things going on, like what the hell's going to happen with the future, blah, blah, blah. You know, and to you know, there's so many question marks about what the hell's going on. And so I started to, I've been stretching forever, but the meditating part, I really started during COVID and realized how much that helped me 
keep my thoughts in check or, or any anxiety I was feeling and, 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 or, or depressing thoughts or anything like that. Uh, the meditation really helps that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, the thing that I find the most helpful about it is that, um, again, I'm not perfect at it either. I think my longest stretch has been like six minutes, but when I am doing it, um, you know, sometimes I'm better about it, sometimes worse, but when I am better about it, the, the evil voice in my head, the one that like gives me the thoughts I don't want to be thinking about, or that like will replay things or just gets the hamster wheel going in a bad direction. Like I'm able to separate myself from that and like divert mm -hmm. to something I do want to be thinking about uh, because my brain's like a high powered weapon and sometimes it aims itself and uh, I need to make sure that it's not <laughs> just aiming. Only time I want it aiming itself is if I'm doing something creative, but like, yeah, but the rest of the yep. time I should be the one directing it because like it can, it, left to its own devices, it can get kind of negative. So I found that uh, the meditation helps me like realize I'm doing it and then like change that channel basically. Yep, exactly. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a question about where the slime live. Um, it's a total, total topic change, but um, question for you about that song. Is that, did, were you involved in writing that song no trey wrote the song musically and david wrote the lyrics okay so even better um so doth just covered it and i had to learn it and i tried to learn it as note for note as i possibly could and that means like even though i did it in a different tuning like note for note and what I realized, and so I want your perspective on this, is you had to mm -hmm. learn it too. If you didn't write it, that means you had to interpret it and learn yep. it. I've noticed that like every single- I still know it. Yeah. I still know this. Like, like I, if, I, if, you, if I was pressed, if I was like, hey, you man, listen, I, I, I could do it. Yeah, I still, I still know the little idiosyncrasies of it. and um, That's, It's very specific. I noticed that like all the bends, all the harmonics, like all the- all the little details are so super specific. So what I'm wondering is that that stuff, those little details, was that mm -hmm. like something you had to sit there and learn? Or is it something that was like improvised or like, like how did you go about like that? No, stuff? it was, it, it was very specific. And uh, for the record, I actually did track on the album, like on Dominate, like mm -hmm. I tracked, the one side on on where the slime lives yeah, and, and Trey tracked on the other side. Yeah, and for Domination, we both tracked all the songs. Um, and so I did the one side, we quad tracked. Um, so I did have to learn, you know, those specific things. Uh, like perfect, like like the, like wah, wah, you know, yep. like that one part where it changes into the the kind of heavier section, like that, that bend, wah, and then, the other band, you know, like going, it's like up the, the first one's about the up. The second one's really about the down. At two different you have speeds. to go up to down. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I definitely, um, I'm a warped SOB. So like Trey who, you know, man, I mean, to me, Trey 
and you know, there's no argument as far as I'm concerned. You know, Trey is one of the most important guitar players. You know, not just in death metal, but just just period. You know, it's like, I mean, if you're just specifically talking about death metal, of course, you know, to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak of Trey. I'm gonna speak of Chuck. You know, like two guys that changed the face of of everything. And and what I love about Trey's playing is just his uniqueness and creativity and uh, no holds barred approach of of how he played. It just came natural. He just felt it. And, you know, me as a player, although I'm a different player than Trey, we had a similar traits in the sense of that we both just did whatever came naturally. We didn't think about um, the rules or or logistics. It was just about this is this is what I felt. And and that's why I think that, you know, Trey and I were a really good team. We we're very different, but same um, as far as our approach. Um, and, and, you know, learning all the classic, you know, more angel tunes and, you know, man, I, I toured for four albums. I played on three. So, um, I'm definitely, I could say that I was, um, I heard the, where the slime Loose cover. Um, and I thought, I thought you guys did a really good job and I'm, well, thanks. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest cover fan. Like, like Neither I don't, am I. I don't, <laughs> you is, know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so I, I, and, and I, I don't mean that disrespectfully anyone that does covers. I know people do covers. It's out of respect and, and honoring this or maybe adding a different change to it. Like, I totally get that. Um, I just never really, like, I don't know, covers. It just never was um, something that, like, like I, I'd always just say, well, I'll just go listen to the original or whatever. You know, like, that. that's my mentality. But I did hear the cover, and I thought... It was a very, very good job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you I, know what? It's to, to do it specifically like it was written. Well, you know, there's probably, there's only one guy that could play that song exactly the way it was written is, 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 is of course, Trey. But I, I would like to think I would be maybe second in line of who would play it the closest to being authentic, more of an angel because I, I played it, but, um, and I know it, but I, man, I thought you guys did a really good job. It was, it was really impressive. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of with you on covers to a degree, but also like sometimes, cause I can't do anything halfway. Sometimes there's mm -hmm. a song somebody wrote, I want to learn. And if I want to learn it, I'm going to like do, I'm going to do it. Like, Make it count. Do yeah. It cause I can't, out. I yeah. don't, I don't have it in me to just like half ass learn a song. Like I have to like, learn learn the finish song. it yeah finish it right yeah, yeah exactly always finished right yeah makes sense yeah and that's i mean more what it is than like really doing covers it's more like i wanted to learn about that thing that you guys did with like bends and those those slimy riffs like that's a big it's a big part of my sound so i figured i want to go back to the mm -hmm. source and like actually like understand what they were doing back then and so that's what yeah. I was wondering: was it specific or not? And you it was, yes. yeah, it was specific. Um, like the first, like it's, it's amazing to, to think this that, like you know, we recorded that record twenty nine years ago, nineteen ninety four, November December ninety four is when we recorded Dominations. It's almost thirty years ago, which is which is crazy in itself. But um, I mean, I remember, like I said, I still. 
if I if I had a if I had my universe here at A sharp, and then I would I would probably about ten minutes I'd still be able to play the song just because I played it so many times. Um, but yeah, the first bend is is a certain uh, bend. The second one was a little less, and and then everything was specific on feel. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is Trey. You know, Trey is 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 the you know he's the master man. I mean of 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 feel and just creativity and um, you know I I felt like when I was learning the song. I approached it the same way I I do every other. I, I didn't put much thought into it. I just felt it. It was it was. You have to. one thing. You have to. You have and, to. You know, being in Morbid Angel as a guitarist, well, I just felt it. You know, Morbid Angel, one of my favorite bands of all time. You know, and so playing those songs, it just came very natural to me because. You know, I I love Morbid Angel. Uh, same with Cannibal Corpse. You know the. Besides the fact that I, with Cannibal Corpse, I was, I almost had an extra bonus because I've produced so many records. And even though I didn't know the songs, I sat here and looked at Pat or Rob or Alex, you know, tracking this stuff. So I kind of had it a lot of, even more familiarity than just listening to the records. I recorded some of those. And yeah, some of those songs nuts and play. bolts level familiarity. So I had a I had a bonus in the learning yeah. of that, but it was similar approach of like adapting the Cannibal Corpse style as I had to adapt to Morbid Angel style. Is that um, I have all the records with Cannibal. I produced a bunch of records, um, and I felt it. If I if I don't feel it, then it's a no go for me. You know, like I I I have to feel it because I'm just not. I may think constantly all the time, but when it comes to playing, I don't think at all. It's the complete opposite. I guess that's why I love playing guitar so much because it's like one of the few things that shuts down my my overactive brain. Yeah, that is one great thing about it. Uh, so I guess when you are learning one of their songs, like how mm-hmm. how do you go about it? Is it like tabs or are you watching a video or are you going by ear? Like, wh- Well, it's interesting because, you know, Alex lives on the West Coast. Um, so, you know, when I first started learning cannibal songs, um, you know, this is back, geez, uh, you know, around the holidays of 2018 is when I, you know, started learning the songs cause I was, you know, filling in, um, and it was the holidays. And I was like, you know what, just send me some tab. And I've never really done tab at all. Like Trey and I. We would sit down, show each other stuff. That was that. Um, same with Sean and Ripping Corpse, Hate Eternal, same thing, JJ and I. We just show each other stuff and, and that's it. Or I learn by ear. Um, so Tab is a, a fairly new thing for me. But um, with Alex writing a lot of this stuff and playing bass, you know, he always puts it in Tab and he's really good at this stuff. Like he's, Alex is like, um, man, he is, he is, his, his brain is just incredible, you know, like he's, he's, he's so gifted and talented and, and obviously as a player and a writer, but when it comes to the musicality and, and just doing tab, it's so helpful. So during that time, during the holidays, I said, you know what, Rob, don't, Alex, don't worry about it. Let's not, you know, don't worry about Skype brain. I'll just start learning from the tab book to start, you know, and I started learning a bunch of songs from 
the tab book, which for me kind of sucked because I don't, I, my whole career, I never really used tab. Um, somebody would write my tab, like I'd show them a riff, maybe they write it down for key mm-hmm. notes later or something. But I never sat there and read tab and learned. I just didn't. Um, but with Cannibal, I started learning tab just because I knew we were doing a tour and there wasn't a lot of time. It was the holidays. You know, I can do, I can learn a lot of this stuff on my own. And now, like say, perfect example, Violence Unimagined. Well, Alex wasn't here for the recording of that record. And he wrote a bunch of songs because he lived mm-hmm. on the West Coast. And during uh, lockdowns, he wasn't able to travel here. So he had a track himself and we reamped and stuff. So I had to learn all his songs from Tab. But he, we, we, we use GP, well, GP8 now. Um, and that's something that be, uh, he would send the songs and I have to learn from it. And now I've learned. It's a great tool. Man, I don't know how many songs I've learned from Tab now. It's, and it's all 30, 40 Cannibal Corpse songs by Tab, 50. I don't know. And it's all been through Tab. And now once I did the Hate Eternal Tab book, and then I've done, we did Violence Unimagined Tab book as well. Um, I've just gotten more and more into the learning from Tab to the point where now I I don't mind learning from Tab, which is, I feel like, like you, you can, I can put the GPA in front of me. I can learn it, and then I could track it on the fly. And and you know, like say I'm doing, I want to do a click and scratch or something. I can just learn it, track it next, and yep. I'm getting better and better. I feel like it's another tool in my arsenal that I didn't have pre Cannibal Course, but now after all these years of learning from Tab, I actually um, I'm able to expedite it. It used to take me a really long time. And still longer, like on, like when we're on tour, I think the last tour Rob we did, Rob and I were in a hotel room or something. Like, hey, let's show each other some stuff for the next uh, batch of touring, and, and we did, and we showed each other each a song in like you know less than two hours, like you know fifty minutes. He learned one, I learned one in fifty minutes, and that was that. Now tab takes me a little longer because you're just looking at notes on a on a paper, but the GP seven. Well, I can play it back. I can slow it down. It stays in pitch. So those are, that's where I, Guitar Pro has become a really helpful tool. And I've gotten much better at it. Now, when it comes to writing tab, forget it because my music theory is, so, you know, I'm not, I, I can write tab. Sure. Give me a, give me a notebook and I'll draw <laughs> six lines or seven. Right. And I'm going ding, ding, ding. But when it comes to like, you know, musical notation or timings, uh, like I don't do that. But when it comes to learning, I've gotten much better at it. And I actually I don't mind learning from tab like I like I actually uh, appreciate it now. So that's one of the many things that um, I've acquired by, you know, playing with, you know, with Cannibal and Alex and Rob and everybody. Um, And it's, it's just such a helpful tool. Totally. Like the, the whole idea of being able to communicate musical ideas to people that aren't right there with you is Mm -hmm. amazing. That's so, it's so helpful. Um, and I wish the one thing I do want to do is I want to be able to write tab at some point, but man, um, it's kind of one of those things I mentioned before where, uh, I had, Evan Bradley, who transcribed the Hate Eternal and Cannibal books with me, who is, is who 
Um, he's done a ton of stuff now. You know, he worked with Devin Townsend. I think he worked, you know, with Opeth. I I turned him on to Decapitated. He worked with Decapitated and Vogue. Um, and he's just such a gifted guy. He's, he's such an incredible um, musician and so good at this stuff. And I, I said, hey, can you set up a couple, you know, tabs for me in GP7, um, you know, at some of my regular tunings, C-sharp, G-sharp, A-sharp. Um, so like and, some templates? Yeah, templates, yeah. exactly. And he, he made these tab templates for me. And I was working on, so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. And I got like five minutes in. I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. You know, <laughs> like I'm out. Uh, like, I didn't even make it five minutes on the writing aspect. So I figure, well, you know, we all have our limits, I guess, even though I never feel like I have any limit. I feel like, I always feel like I can, I'll, I'll learn this or figure this out or achieve that. Like, I don't, I don't, but with the tab, maybe I just, I wasn't ready. I, was, I feel like if day. you had a really good reason, you you would learn it in the day. Right, right. I think that's what it is, the yeah. reason. Like if I had a necessity for it or or like, which I don't, right? But, you know, I think I think you're right. The motivation comes from maybe the reason or the necessity. And I don't have that. So, so it was limited. I, I'm sure I could figure it out. But man. you, uh, dude, you totally could figure it out. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And if you just think about like what you just said, that like you didn't used to learn from it, but because of necessity you did mm -hmm. with uh, working with Alex during COVID, like you had yeah. to. So boom, you know how to do it now. So it's, I feel like Much if there better. was, if there was some reason like that, like where for whatever reason you had to get good at writing and guitar pro, I'm sure within two days you'd be totally fine wow man well two days huh that's 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 bold man you got a lot of faith sure. in me man. I, I do i do it. i appreciate it though i appreciate it man <laughs> you just gotta have a reason like <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny when i'm learning stuff from tab once in a while like uh like man i was learning a song last week and i was like wow this got some crazy shit in it you know and i was texting paul uh like man i'm learning this you know stuff and he was like, ah, man, you'll, you'll figure it out in like 10 minutes or something. You know, like I was like, man, you got a lot of faith in me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's I appreciate a, it. you know, like surround yourself with good people. Um, that's, that's one of the things that like, Key. Key. I really, really appreciate about like the current Doth lineup, like the people I work with in the companies is I have a lot of faith in their abilities to just be competent humans. So mm. it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to be around people where you do have faith that they will just be able to do something. But looks like we're getting close to running out of time. We have a few questions from listeners. Cool if I sure, ask yeah. you a few of them? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, cool. So um, let's see here. From, and this is something I did want to talk to you about anyway. So cool. So from sure. Nikos Paras, shit, man, Paras Tadit. <laughs> Let me try again. This one's tough, man. All right, from Nikos. Uh -oh. Now I'm usually okay. good. I'm usually good with names, but like, yeah, I just couldn't hang with that one. So, um, <laughs> how do Parastatides? That's it, Nikos Parastatides. Cool. So nice. How nice do you job. go about dialing your guitar tone between picking amp pedals? It would be very interesting to hear. Um. How about we talk about like one type of guitar tone? 
like okay metal rhythms or something hmm well i mean it, it really starts with i guess whatever you know like every band i've ever been in or every band i record is completely different in my in my opinion it's like my rig with Hate Eternal is different than my rig with Cannibal or my rig with Morbid Angel or my rig with Ripping Corpse. They're all different, different pickups, different pedals, different amps. And so I've always, I go into every guitar tone. Now, the difference is there is like, okay, say joining Morbid Angel or joining Cannibal Corpse where there was an established sound. Um, it was a little different, uh, you know, fortunately, like with Rob, for instance, with Cannibal Corpse, he's flexible. He's like, listen, you know, we've been using Mesa forever. You know, the Mesa has been a big part of Cannibal Sound. And um, but hey, if you want to use Marshall, you want to use whatever, we'll make it work. You know, he's really flexible and we work really great as a team, Rob and I. Um, and we when it comes to guitar duo, we, we just agree on a lot of things and we, we both have a similar ear and stuff like that. But the one thing, um, I felt when I joined Morbid, just like with Cannibal Corpse is that I want to respect the legacy that's come before me. You know, I'm not here to change the dynamics or change, um, how things are. I'm, I'm here to, expand the dynamics yep. not change the legacy um and so yeah i dial i'm i'm i definitely dial my tone in differently than than rob does i'm sure um but i i use active pickups in in cannibal and that's something i've been playing passive pickups most my whole career so that took some change but that active sound is a big part of cannibal course and part of that sound is something that i've helped achieve through producing the records as well and so I wanted to keep that dynamic in there. Um, so I had to adapt a little bit, but I had that's to adapt really cool. to play the songs. Dude, that's um, really cool yeah. that you do that just because so many people are like, I'm either this or I'm that. But like no. respecting that part of the cannibal sound is that type of active sound and just doing it because that's what you're doing. That's really exactly. cool. And, and to show like when you're talking about like the people you work with and stuff like I mean, I work with some amazing people. My, you know, like everybody in Cannibal Corpse, the way that they've handled me joining the band and saying, hey, you know, uh, well, uh, here's a perfect example. The first single release of the new record is, is, is a single that I wrote the music for. You know, we voted for that. Um, and we vote on a lot of things as a band. Um, and I'd probably be the one guy that didn't, pick my own song and i thought like you know oh, it should be something else but everybody thought we should go with that and so we did and so i was like okay listen you guys know what you're doing I, I'm, I'm not gonna you know argue that but that just goes to show you know the people that i'm in a band with right you know they want to do what's best regardless of who wrote it or who did what mm -hmm. you know and and that's important um and like with the with the tones like hey man you want to use marshall cabs use marshall cabs if you want to do this everybody's been really flexible, but I also know, you know, the legacy that Cannibal Corpse has. And I also realize I'm always going to be myself in Cannibal Corpse. I'm never going to be anyone else, you know? Um, it, it's, it's going to be a different dynamic. 
whenever you have someone else come into a, a band, it always changes every the dynamic. Um, but at the same token, I'm going to expand the dynamics in a different direction, but I'm going to honor the legacy that has come before me. And that's how I looked at Morbid Angel and Cannibal Corpse and Tone. Um, but you know what? There's no easy answer for guitar tone uh, because I've got, you know, I, I get different tones for different records and different bands. I don't think it's, um, it's, it's, that's a hard answer. It's a hard question to answer properly. I think it's not it's just because, one thing. You know what I would say is I'm blind as far as what I'm using or what I try. I'm not afraid to try some cabinet or some amp that has that been collecting dust for six years or a cabinet looks like shit but who knows it might be a gem like i'll try anything and i ask that from even my clients i'm producing like any bands i'm working with like let's try this if it if it if it sucks we're out and and you know you give me that respect and i'll give you that same respect back when you want to try something and i think that's imperative um but i think you know for getting a tone a lot of it starts with like what what do you feel or think would fit the mold of what you're trying to achieve? And um, for me, getting getting tone, I'm usually, I'm a big guy of, uh, like I've mentioned this before, like for albums, almost every album I've ever, every album I've done as a guitar player, I've quad tracked rhythm and I usually blend amps. Um, so like when I'm getting guitar tone in the studio, we're, we're finding an amp and a main tone that we're using, and then we'll mess with it. I'll track it. We'll listen back. Like, eh, I don't know. And maybe I'll move the mic or I'll adjust EQ or I'll, I mean, I make, I'll make hundreds and hundreds of adjustments before I ever track mm-hmm. ever. And until I'm like, man, this is, then we'll work on this on another amp and the secondary tracks and blend it in. Oh, that sounds good about 670 dB, but I'm missing this. And then sometimes, and the reason why I got into blending amps is because you don't realize what's missing until you add it sometimes. And yeah. um, like on the new Cannibal Course record, we used a Mesa, Dual Rec as the main app, and that's been our main app for quite some time, either dual or triple. But we ended up using my 79 Marshall JMP for the, for the secondary tracks, for nice. the rhythms, with a hot mod in, in, in the, the preamp. And um, with, with a 30 year anniversary tube screamer. Uh, and so that we had gone through, we probably tried out 10 or 12 different amps to be the backing tracks there for the main sound that just sounded best. And Rob and I were stoked because it felt great and it sounded great. And, and that's how we rolled. So usually for record wise, I'm getting the whole picture of all four tracks, um, multiple amps we use different amps for souls i think we use like four different amps you know two different amps for souls two different amps for rhythm Mm -hmm. and usually i'm getting the picture maybe not the complete picture eq wise and stuff excuse me but there's a switch inside me and i'm fortunate on that you know like this thing's ready to fucking roll and then we Mm -hmm. go i wish i had a better answer no that is a great answer because i feel like lots of people are looking for like this specific recipe but in real life there is no specific recipe but like that thing you said that you're going in blind i think that's like the best that's the best advice is to go in blind because 
Yeah, you, you might have like some ideas of like things that have worked before, what may or may not work. But in reality, you don't mm-hmm. actually know until you're sitting there doing it. Um, and to like go in blind and like really evaluate what you're hearing, not what you're mm-hmm. thinking about before you get there, not what like somebody said is a sick amp, not like what exactly, worked two records exactly. ago. Like, yeah, just you're right. what's in front of you. Like, how does that sound? And, and you know, speaking about Cannibal Corpse, we, I've produced six albums with the band, and we've never once used the same concoction of amps. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had Mesa on all those six albums, um, but maybe it was this dual or this triple, but the backing secondary amp was always a different amp, all six albums, which is, is just goes to show the blind taste test. You know, to me, I just blinds. When I was earlier in my producing career, too, I would A-B things all the time to other stuff I had done or other stuff that I liked. And as I got more comfortable in my own skin as a producer, as a player or musician, I didn't do that any longer. And, and, and part of that came from the comfort of working with other bands in the studio that were different. You know, um, I mean, I've had the fortune of, obviously I've worked with a lot of death metal, but I've worked with bands like, like a band um, like Ether Coven that I worked in, a lot of clean guitars and a different kind of oversized cabinet and amp and different sound, and then work with Madball or Agnostic Front or Goat Horror or Soylent Green, different bands with different approaches and different guitar tones. And for me, I always want to capture their tone, not my tone, but if, if a guitar player comes in, sometimes the younger guys might not have a tone they know of. Man, I like this. I like that. Okay, let's figure it out. But the vets, the guys that have been doing this a long yeah, time. All those dudes you mentioned have a, have an identity. Very clear. They have one. an identity. So my job is to capture their tone. And so um, sometimes when you're early and you're producing, that that might be a little uncomfortable for you, especially in today's day and age where you can, you know, bring up a preset or just, you know, do this, you know, um, but by doing other bands and trying to capture their tone and sometimes maybe they'd be like, listen, this is my tone. I don't give a shit what you got to do, but you're going to capture this. Okay. That's my job to do it. Um, it made me feel more comfortable in my skin to be able to try new things and not, you know, not be pigeonholed to just doing one amp and one thing. Oh man, I got to use this amp or that amp or this cabinet and trying new things. And of course there's comfort zones. We have different mic priests, different mics I love and and things, amps I love the best. But I learned by doing all these other bands and records and different styles um, that trying new things, you just never know. Uh, There's science to a lot of things. And then there's things that are just, you know, it's worth a shot. Always worth a try to try something because you never know when it's going to be like, the one um yeah, magic yeah exactly so question here from colton chapman which is i'd love to hear eric talk about his thought process when he sits down to come up with new riffs for hate eternal from the initial inception to the arrangement of full songs kind of how he developed his unique uh polyphonic way of writing for two guitars you know i've, I've noticed that too the one thing that i find interesting about hate eternal is the two guitars doing totally different things 
on both sides yet mm-hmm. working together real well. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that, and you you can appreciate this, is like a lot of the counterpoint, I feel like it single-handedly comes from my upbringing in classical music. It's like, yeah. you know, the different things, not just harmonizing, but doing different things. You know, for me, there's not a much of a, um, with Hate Eternal, and and really my whole career, there has there's not a lot of thought process. It's about what comes naturally. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I'm fortunate where a melody just comes in my head. I can't even tell you how many times. And I've noticed it as my, and this is related to our previous conversation, the more and more clear my, my head has become through what I'm doing with the meditating, I've noticed that I hear more and more melodies in my head that have translated to riffs. And I find that fascinating because I, there has to be a correlation there. Um, a perfect example, Bloodline was the first singular release for Cannibal Corpse. The first riff on, 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 on that song it was floating in my head. I was, I was just sitting there. I was drinking coffee. It was in the morning and I hadn't stretched yet. And I just heard, I was like floating around. I was like, wow, that's fucked up. And then, you know, I go into my home studio and figure out the tempo with the click. And then I, you know, do the click and pro tools and then track to it. Um, and the one thing for me, I would say 90 something percent of every song I've ever written, um, usually starts with, the beginning riff. Like I'll know, like that riff I just was humming. Like I knew that was the first riff of a song. I was like, man, what a, what a, that's the intro riff right there. And a lot of times I will play it over and over again and just play to it. And I'll just feel it kind of like my practice routine. There's no preconceived notion or thought. I just let it flow. Um, and not every song I've written has been written from beginning to end, especially if you're collaborating with other players and stuff. Like, hey, I got this riff. Maybe that works. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. But a lot of the stuff that I've written has been written from beginning to end, compositionally-wise, almost. Um, and so it just kind of flowed naturally that way. Now, when I was now when I'm writing for Cannibal, or when I was writing for Morbid. It was a little different uh, because there's not a ton of thought process, but um, it's it, that's where the kind of producing comes in, in the sense of like, okay, like, uh, for example, the last two Cannibal records, some of the stuff had been written already by Alex or Rob. And I would look at the album as a whole and be like, you know, what kind of, what kind of dynamics would I like to add in here? You know, mm-hmm. like, Maybe, man, we need something real sludgy or something. Like what's missing? You know, or, or, yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll approach it from a uh, almost like a producer aspect, I guess. And that doesn't necessarily mean like there's some songs I thought would end up being a certain way and they ended up just taking their own path. Um, like there's one song I wrote on the new record that I remember I, I wrote it and I was, and I thought it was going to be a certain way. And I remember I sent it to Paul and I was like, yeah, man, I got this like slow song with just a couple fast parts, you know, and he started working on it and he was like, Hey man, I don't want to correct you here, but it's more like a fast song with a few slow parts. And I was (laughs) like, that's fucking funny. That's funny shit. And now that I've, when I went back to, when I, when I started tracking that song, 
And then, and then I realized, holy shit, Paul's fucking right. It's a fast song with a few slow parts because it was hard as fuck to track. Um, so I was like, oh shit, okay, he was right. Um, so it doesn't always go the way you plan, but um, usually for me, it's it's the same approach as getting a guitar tone. Just let it flow naturally. I don't put a lot of thought into it, mm-hmm. especially with Hate Eternal, where I don't, that being my own baby, I have no limitations. I, I will just write whatever comes to me naturally. Um, and and so because it's my own baby, I just never put any limitations on Hate Eternal of how I'd approach it. Um, and so I guess I feel fortunate that I've been able to just have that natural progression of feel to be able to create songs. And some of those riffs came maybe I'm in my head. Some came from me doodling around, tinkering around. Almost all my riffs either come from the head or just me totally fucking off. And then just and like, then like finding wow. something cool. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Now, back in the day, back in like the early days, like Rivet Course, um, me and Sean had a boom box. And this is before I even had a four track. You know, this is going back in the late 80s, early 90s. And we would just record me and him just jamming. And we'd listen to it the next day and be like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool riff there, man. What the fuck is that? And that's how I approach solo sometimes is like me just doodling around and I'll track something. I'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then refigure it out. That's a totally valid way of writing i do that a lot and i remember reading that george harrison like i was reading him talking about working with paul and john and Mm -hmm. how they would like have these magical inspirations you know like write a song in a dream that becomes one of the most famous songs of all time wake up write it down kind of thing but george harrison didn't always have that like he would have to uh sit there and just like fuck around till something cool came up and then like just build it brick by brick. And he also ended up with some of the great ones. So right. It's totally. It's, valid. it's interesting how it comes. I, I, for me personally, it comes from within. It's mm-hmm. like, a, you know, and I've said this on a, on a, on a deeper level. It's like, for me, my music has always been extension of the depth of, of who I am and kind of, you know, the, how would I say it? You know, like the the depth of of, of everything that I've experienced in my life uh, led me to playing music to have that expression because I had no other way to express myself in any positive fashion. Before I played guitar, I was expressing myself in all the wrong directions, and then I started playing guitar and I put all my all that emotion into my playing. and And some guys are not that way, but I'm I'm a very I don't know if that's the proper word, but like, you know, I'm an emotional player. My playing, my, whether I'm I'm an emotional guy, you can just tell you talk to me or I'm on stage. I put all my, of who I am into everything I do. I don't half-ass anything. I never have. I mean, I cook dinner. I'm cooking it 110%, man. You know, if I do anything, you know, even all the jobs I've had in my life and the jobs that I did not like, I still gave it 110%. Um, but the one thing I've always let it come from within, everything I write, just let it come from within naturally. Let it, let it happen smoothly. If you start putting too much mental thought or energy into thinking about it, I feel like it just limits your creativity and spontaneity, you know? Yeah, totally. 
I, I, I agree. Um, I think the thing that's important to think about is doing what, thinking about doing what you got to do to sit down and work, you know, like mm-hmm. a, arranging your life in a way to allow yourself to, to do the work. And I think like thinking about doing the things that like you were saying, like the yoga routine, like the stretching, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, like those things, doing those things allow the other things to just present themselves, in my opinion. Um, sorry. It happened. It, all those things, you're right. All the, you know, all the other stuff that you do in life, I feel like altered. It affects everything affects everything for myself. I'll speak for myself. I've learned that. And you know what, the more comfortable you, you are with, within your own skin, um, and the more, and, and it's funny, somebody might say, man, you know, I've created decades of uncomfortable music. Um, and that's because I'm expressing that uncomfortability within myself. And that's something that, um, will never go away from me. Like there's things that I've experienced in life that I know will be there forever. I deal with things and, and music has been that way of expressing it for myself. But as I've been able to become more maybe confident as a person or healthier as a human, um, mentally speaking, it allows that kind of uh, blank canvas to be able to create and and on the on the fly and and not like I said in in recent years, I've been hearing more and more melodies in my head, which has really been unique for me, and it's been happening for quite some time. Where it's just a melody comes in my head, and then and there it is. Or I'm, you know, so I usually know it's just a switch. You yeah, know? like yes. man, that's a that's a killer riff, and and but if you start, I never just sit down and and say, man, I'm gonna write a riff today. You mm-hmm. know, like it, it's I do the same. I sit down and play guitar every day. I yep. sit down and stretch every day, and within that time frame that I'm doing it. Maybe I write a couple of risks. Maybe I write a whole freaking song. Who knows? Um, but the most important thing to me for someone trying to write is never add the pressure. And I've been in pressure situations like uh, like Domination, for instance. I wrote five songs of music. I wrote those five songs of music in two and a half months. That is um, fast, man. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was touring for all a covenant then we finished Covenant and decided, okay, you know, I was going to become a member. And and then I had a couple months to write some songs. Unfortunately for me, I was able to write, uh, you know, a, a substantial amount of music. Um, but it, you know what? Same with Violence Unimagined. I wrote three songs of music. I wrote it in about two and a half months um, on top of learning all the other songs and then doing pre-pro with the guys because I was producing it. And so... Um, if I sat there and like, holy shit, I got to write songs, you know, like I probably wouldn't have wrote anything. I just said, you know what? This is what I do, man. I play guitar. If somebody says, what do you do best? I would like to think, or what do I, what do I enjoy the most? Like you said, I love writing songs. I love playing guitar. Um, just let it flow. Don't overthink it. Let it happen naturally. And then knock on wood, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's been ongoing. It just keeps happening. Um, we have time yeah. for one more question. We're just about out of time, but just about 
feel like asking one about the production end since um, sure. we mostly talked about guitar. So Matthew DeSimone is wondering, how do you get such natural sounding kicks, whether they are or not, to be so consistent without sounding over compressed or saturated? I'm struggling to get fast kicks mm. to be consistent in the low end. Interesting. That's well, you know what? I, I, I bet you everybody would probably still agree with that sentiment of like uh, uh, struggling with getting the low end correct on fast kicks. You know, it's it's a constant yeah, um, issue. The forever war. But the, um, I would say, you know, it's interesting. I've done records with acoustic kicks in the past, some bands at certain times. Um, I've done I've done a variance of things, but the one thing that I I've only done on a few records of my whole career, and that was only because it was specified, is I don't quantize. So I'm not a quantized and and not saying it's right or wrong. Everybody has, you know, I'm not the God Almighty on this kind of stuff, you know. Like I always believe, like, hey, if you feel like everything should be chopped up and that's what fits your sound and then, then more to you. Um, but I came from the old school approach. Everything I did was analog. I graduated engineering school. I remember when I was in school, we had a one hour lab class on sound tools. You know, it was like a black and white screen and you're editing. They were just starting sound tools, wasn't even pro tools. So like all that stuff had didn't even exist. Um, but to me, uh, when it comes to the tonality, you know, I feel like the the lack of quantization on on kick drums creates something different. Also, as well as like the feel, obviously, and things of that nature. And of course, you know, I say this. I've said this before, and probably on our last interview is like um, I use Pro Tools. I don't abuse Pro Tools, you know, and so like. For me, I'm trying to, I want everybody I record, I want them to sound like them on their best day, not like a not like the Terminator version of them. And so I've approached recording like that. And somebody might say, wow, you know, that the drummer sounds like he's like losing it there. Well, he probably was. He was probably <laughs> like struggling. Was and, and, but, but, you know, in this day and age, especially, it's very uncommon, I guess. But um the one thing I like to do too is have a slightly detuned kick drum from the other, you know, and not use and use multiple kick drum samples, you know. So um, sometimes I'll just sample the kicks from the actual kit, you know, and then use those same kick drums. Um, and I know a lot of guys don't even record with kicks, they use the pads. And I understand that too, because of the bleed. And um, certainly if you're, you know, doing, if you're quantizing and things of like that and using beat detective and stuff, it makes it easier. And there's no right or wrong. This is all just personal preference, how I do things, but between the lack of quantization. Um, and like I said, some records, if, if bands want that sound, well then of course I'm going to do that for them because that's what they want, you know? Um, but most, most of the guys I record with, are there are older school guys and you know you know so they they appreciate the approach and i figured out creative ways to edit if i need to or i do a lot of punching as well um but 
I'm not the overpunch guy either because I really believe in capturing the performances. Um, and that's something that's kind of rare, I guess, too, in our field these days. But I like to capture good performances, and I feel like that adds something to it. And then the kick drums, using slightly different tuning of the left and right kick, but you got to be careful because I've learned that too. It's like you don't want it like the titu, 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 but, and that's common in acoustic kicks, right? Like I got, like behind me, I got a Pearl reference kit. I, it's my, it's my personal house kit and I love the kit. The two kick drums, they sound fucking amazing. I've gotten some great samples from them and they're just slightly different, you know, but um, not just because of the tuning, but the actual root note of the kick is just slightly different from each other. If it's too different, then to me, that's like really annoying. So I don't want them to be, you know, like way off from each other, but just a slight detuning of the left and right kick to me has helped that low end issue. Um, and I don't know if it has anything to do with the lack of quantization or not actually, but the slightly different tuning of the kick I've noticed can help get rid of that. I don't know. Like, like that lightsaber low end. Of, you yeah. Know, and, uh, I mean, but I'm certainly, I I'm far from an expert on this. I wish I, I wish I could give a more expert um, answer, but I'm still learning. I'm still, like I said, man, I, I've done, well, I've worked I, on I've, a lot of shit, but. I think that um, what you just said was very, very, uh, very helpful stuff. It's a uh, variation, adding variation into the sound, whether it's from mm -hmm. the tuning or from the performance so that it's not exactly. just, it's not the buildup of the same frequency just over and over That's and right. over like a machine gun. Like, exactly. Yeah. That variation helps. That's really important, the variation, I think, um, whether it's a combination of what I mentioned, but certainly I think that's, yeah, because if you have like one kick sample and you and it's like 260 <laughs> and it's just, you know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's that low end buildup, you know, and oh, also, man, I, I mean, high pass filtering is, you know, obviously that's, that's, I, I guess I should mention that too, is like, you know, um, you know, from my experience, it's like, well, you know, the human ear hears, well, a good ear, right? You know, not a, not a shot ear, but, you know, they say 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That's what we hear, right? Um, and there's arguments like, can really people hear above 16 kilohertz or can people really hear to 20 hertz? Well, that's what the scientists say, so I'm just repeating it. Or that's what I learned at school 30 years ago. But, you know, the one thing you you learn when you're doing... Like say if I if I pop on a rap record or 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 some R and B, well, there's definitely a whole different sub factor going on with that kind of music because it's a part of that arrangement. It's a part of that sound. Um, you know, with fast double bass, uh, you know, the, definitely um, high pass filtering. Um, you know, uh, multi-band compression, those are things that help as well. You know, it's, it's a fine line. It's a, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say I use, I do the same thing every time either, but there's some things that I do that are very similar, but all those things are, are really helpful because when you're playing fast death metal, you got fast double bass all the time, you know, 
um, some of that lower sub, you just need to get it the fuck out of there because it's just, it doesn't work anywhere. You know, it just muddies up the thing. And I like to keep anyone knows, like, I'm not afraid of low ends. You know, that's, that's not my MO, but, and, and people might argue that maybe I use a little too much on some production and, and that's fair. Uh, but, um, I don't like to suck out a ton of low end, but at the same time, some of that stuff, some of it with faster, you have to, it's got, it's got to go, yeah. but I'm definitely not that guy either. That just not, I know a lot of guys like to carve out everything and kind of like my performance aspect when it comes to production, I'm the same way. I like to preserve as much as I can. Like I'm, I'm not like doing like 12 different notch filters and, and all this stuff. I usually don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm moving around the mics and tweaking the amp and the pedal and then the, the height of the pickups and the, the approach of the pick, or maybe, you know, like I do a lot of things before it gets to that point to try to get what I'm looking for from the ground up from the foundation rather than the fix it later from the source. Yeah. That makes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a good way to do things. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so Eric, I think this is a good place to stop. Um, we've gone over our time, which I knew we would because uh, we have six conversations. But I want to yes, thank sir. you for coming on the Riff Hard podcast. It's been a pleasure. And I will say, um, I heard the new song. And on the first the first notes, I was like, I think this is an Eric song. And then you, uh, conf- then you confirmed it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could hear you know, the, the, yeah, well, you know, the thing is, and Rob said this to me when I first joined the band, he was like, listen, man, you know what? I can't remember the exact words he said, but it was good advice. And, and, and you know what, that's how I felt when I joined morbid, just like I joined cannibal, totally different bands, two bands. I know their music well and, and love and appreciate, uh, personally and musically and professionally, um, just be you, you know, be me. So I, I approached, I was like, you know what? It's Eric Rutan writing a Cannibal Corpse song. It's not going to yep. sound like someone else. It's going to sound like me. And some people will like it. Some people will be like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, this is just the way it is. But never lose sight of who you are in general yeah. in life. Like, I, I realized that a long time ago when I was a kid. I'm just different. I, I beat to a different drum, man. You know, I've always been a different guy. I write different. I do different just be yourself in whatever situation you are and be the best version of you that you can be. And, you know, things will turn out all right. It's great advice, man. Well, thank you very much for your time, dude. Man, thank you, man, for the interview. And, and anytime. good luck with everything, man. You take care. Thanks. Thank you.